Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. church people you should be proud of yourselves for making it to church on a Sunday morning and um, and you guys feel alive you feel awake you guys awake yeah, yeah? good I'm, I'm looking for somebody um, are the pilchers here Paul and Lauren I'm assuming oh they're there right there here, here we go is Paul with you where's he at he's coming back okay I'll get you at the end of service um, <clears throat> Cool. Well, we're kicking off a um, we're kicking off a, a, a sermon that's in the middle of this collection of, of sermons we're doing on relationships. And last week we I just we pulled an audible and didn't do it. But uh, sometimes you do that, right? Sometimes you just don't do what you plan to do. But <clears throat> um, this week we're gonna jump back into it. And we're talking about relationships and. And I think the reason why I want to talk about relationships is this. I, I've done pastoral ministry all of my adult life, and I feel like, um, hey, how you doing? <clears throat> I've done pastoral ministry all my adult life, and I, um, I think the greatest pains I've seen in people's lives always comes back to this. Like, it's people with broken marriages, and they're struggling, and I'm, I'm talking to them, and, and it's a broken marriage, but really, it's not, they don't have marriage problems. They really have single people problems that they brought into a marriage. And, um, or I'll be talking to a teenager when I used to do ministry, talking to a teenager, and, um, and, and, they're, and they're hurt, and they're heartbroken, and their parents are like, something's going on with them, something's wrong, and it usually comes back to this. It usually comes back to this. And um, so I want to talk today about uh, how to build our healthy relationships. You know, um, I, I really like campfires. Does anybody else like a campfire? Come on. Come on. Anybody go hunting just so you can go build a fire? Come on. <clears throat> so this is a campfire. I, I love to build, I love to build fires. It's uh, something I grew up, I grew up in Alaska. So up there, uh, it's, it, well, I actually grew up in the Yukon, which is not Alaska. It's actually in Canada. It's half the size of Alaska, which means it's as big as Texas. And, uh, and there's 35,000 people in the whole place. So when you go hunting, you need to be able to take care of yourself or you're going to die. And um, that's, that's how I grew up. And uh, so for me, being able to make a fire is a big deal. I have a beard and can make a fire. And <laughs> so, so I, um, so I uh, my, my boys, I'm always teaching them, like, hey, this is how you, uh, you know, you, you, this, this is where you find you, your fire starter. You know, get, find a, a good poplar, an aspen tree, and behind the bark, there's that, that super flammable film. It's like a paper, and it doesn't matter how wet it is outside. That stuff will always light. And teaching them how to start a fire with pretty much anything. Um, and, and if you can't start a fire with anything, there's always lighter fluid, somebody. So, 
Uh, this is just something I, I love fires. They're so much fun. My favorite is actually this, is fireplaces. These are the best. Um, I love a good outdoor fireplace, don't you? Yeah. It's the best. The cool thing about fires is this, is that you can sit in front of that fire and just, you can be warm. You can get warm in front of a fire, just sit in front of it. Um, you can make s'mores out of fire. S'mores are amazing. Uh, like, and if you're like next level s'more maker, you make sure you put graham cracker and the chocolate on top of it next to the fire while you roast your marshmallow. So it's a little more chewy and the chocolate's melted. Like that's, that's for free, somebody. Let's go a step further. If you want to be an advanced s'more maker, what you do is you actually take a banana and you put it inside of tin foil. You cut it down the center. You fill that thing full of marshmallows, chocolate, peanut butter. Then you wrap it back up in the tin foil and set it by the fire and let the Lord do his work. It's good stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. My favorite thing to do at a fire is actually just to sit in front of the coals. Does anybody like that? There's just something about sitting in front of the coals. It makes me think of the, when the Bible, in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah sends his prophecy to Jehoiakim, uh, it says that Jehoiakim is sitting in front of the coals. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I, Jehoiakim doesn't receive the prophecy very well. But when, when, I, when, I, when I sit in front of the coals, I um, don't think about anything at all. And, but you, like you sit in front of the coals and just blank. It's amazing. And um, all, all the women are like, I, I do not know what this is. Um, us men, most of the time, that's what we're thinking, blank. And um, that's really cool. Um, fires are a lot of fun. Um, but the thing is, fires need to be built the proper way. So when I teach my kids how to build a fire, you know, make sure that they know they need to start with a good uh, ignition source, something that will start the fire, followed by kindling, right? Small pieces of wood and then progressively larger and, until you get logs. Uh, it always drives me nuts when I go camping with somebody and they've got a match and they're trying to light a log on fire. <laughs> it's like, that's, somebody's like, maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. <clears throat> yeah, that's what you're doing wrong. Um, you don't just do it, you don't just light a log on fire. You have to build it in the proper way. And you also need to build it with proper boundaries, Right? Because a fire that's built outside of healthy or proper boundaries becomes a hazard, right? Like it becomes something like that. It's the same thing. It's the exact same fire. It can make marshmallows for you. It can make a lot of marshmallows for you. But it will burn your house down. In one of them, it warms your heart. And the other one, you're calling your insurance company. Right? And today... I want to talk about how do we build our relationships in a way that, that it creates healthy pattern of building and healthy boundaries around the relationship to create a, a healthy place for them to grow. Because when, when relationships are built in the wrong order or they're built outside of healthy boundaries, what happens is people burn their houses down and they don't know what's going on and they, they struggle and they come, Pastor, can you fix this? I'm like, I, that's actually something you can fix. It's not something I can fix. It's something you can fix. But, um, but let's just get it right today. And I just want to make a disclaimer. As, as I talk today, some of you may hear what I'm saying, and you might think, man, I'm on the wrong end of that statement. Like, maybe I didn't do things right. And I just want to say this. If you experience uh, shame or any kind of condemnation as I'm talking, that's not of the Lord. That's not of the Lord. Um, 
But I would hope that in those moments where you, where you hear me say something and you think, I didn't do it that way, I, I hope what you do is, is you pray for the people sitting next to you that have a chance to do it right. I spoke uh, after first service. I had a man come up to me and he said, hey, when you did that, that illustration, he said, that was us. He said, we did everything the wrong way 45 years ago. And then we got a hold of a Christian counselor and he showed us the right order of, of relationship. He said, and we've, I've been married to the same woman for 45 years. And we have a great, healthy marriage, but it didn't start out right. I just want to tell somebody today, the order can be changed. All right. So, um, and also I want to say this. I'm doing a lot of disclaimers today. Um, if you're single, do not interpret my message as me saying the only healthy way to be a believer is to be married. That's actually not true. Uh, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul calls singleness a gift from God, yeah. an actual spiritual gift. Um, and, and then when he tells people, if you can't be single, he says, like, if, if you've got to get married because you, you, you burn with passion, and we focus on the burning with passion, but he actually, he says it like this. He says, I would prefer that you don't get married, but if you need to get married, do get married. So the emphasis is actually on um, being in the place, being content in the place that God yes. gives you. Yes. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Uh, one more disclaimer. For, for all my people that want me to, uh, um, I'll just say, for all the exegetical Nazis, <laughs> when the Apostle Paul speaks about relationships in 1 Corinthians 7, he actually goes back and forth between these phrases. He says this. He says, this I speak as a man, talking about relationships. And then he goes back and says, this I'm not speaking as a man, I'm speaking for God. And then he goes back and he says, now this I'm saying as a man. Because there, this is a complicated issue. And if you're wanting me to give you a biblical narrative that lays out everything I'm talking about right now, probably not going to happen. But what I am speaking from is a lot of experience pastoring people that have been through relationships. And I'm bringing you wisdom today. So you can discern whether or not what I'm saying is true or not. <clears throat> and uh, here, here's what it says in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed. To this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by, the te that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Okay, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can discern what is the will of God, what is good, that acceptable, and perfect will of God. So the will of God is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Here's what Paul is saying, is if you want your life to change... It happens in your mind. Everything you do in life and all the results you have in your life are directly connected to the way you think. So the way you handle finances in your life are directly connected to the way you think about finances in your life. The way your relationships work out is directly connected to the way you think about relationships. If you're married today, the way your marriage is today is a direct result of how you think about marriages. <clears throat> so what happens in our culture is we think about relationships in the wrong order. We're building the same fire. We simply build it in the wrong order, and we create a lot of chaos and havoc 
and pain for ourselves that really we could avoid. We could avoid it. I think, um, so, right here, nobody really got this in first service, but I, this smallest box right here is my business socks box. Um, if you don't know why they're called business socks, is because uh, Flight of the Concords, Business Time, you need to watch it. Um, one of the greatest songs of all time. I may be introducing something bad to you. I don't know. But, but it's business. It's business time. You know why they call them business, business socks, don't you? Because it's business time, right? Like, here's what the church has said for years. The, the church says that business time is uh, it's dangerous, it's bad, it's, it's, un, it's not a good thing, it's, uh, it's sinful, it's immoral. Save it for marriage. Right? <laughs> save, save all the bad stuff for marriage. Well, that's, that's not entirely true. It's actually glorious. God invented it like, yay, God. It's amazing. The problem is it is also the source of greatest pain. So it's just like a fire. It can be absolutely incredible in your life or it can be devastating in your life. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Make sure we stack it in the right order. In our culture, what we do is uh, boy meets girl, girl meets boy. They, fall, they, they like each other. They don't really know too much each other, about each other. But in our culture, the cultural expectation is this, is that by like the second date, third date if they're a prude, is business time. This is our culture. I'm not saying this is the church. This is our culture. And so what we do is we're building our relationships with the foundation of a physical interaction with a partner before really knowing them, before knowing too much about them, before really uh, uh, any true relationship is established, there's a physical connection happen. And, and here's the problem is that right here, this piece alone is the source of the greatest joy in your relationship and the greatest pain. The greatest pain. And so what, what happens is I, I've seen so many people that the first thing they do is they, they enter into this physical portion of their marriage. And this is, this is good, but the, the physical portion of your marriage, this is like Pepe Le Pew, like ha, ha, ha. Or Moto Moto, right? He's like, girl, you chunky. You big. Nobody else watches. Okay. I'm a cartoon person. Okay. <clears throat> Like, when you experience this physical piece, this is, this is where you make stupid decisions, like listening to boys to men, right? <laughs> to the end of the road, girl, I can't let you go. It's so natural. You belong to me. I belong to you, girl. <laughs> or... <laughs> Or we listen to like Brian McKnight, <laughs> or we go shopping at Zara, like it just gets worse and worse, like when we go into this physical phase of our relationships, and really this is where the pain all begins. The thing we do in our world is this, is we go from a physical relationship to the next greatest thing, which is an emotional relationship with somebody. So we begin physical, and we go from physical to Emotional. This is, uh, this is where, we, where our, dis our bad decisions become worse, isn't it? Yeah. 
This is where we steal mom and dad's car. Like, you know, like you put it in neutral, push it down the driveway, start it down the block. Like, this is where we, we talk on the phone late at night. It used to be you'd rack up the phone bill. Like, your parents knew you were in love when the phone bill got high. Um, nowadays, uh, everybody has unlimited everything. So I guess mom and dad just don't see it any longer, but I don't know what kids do, like, do we text, do we just text late into the night, like, is that what we do, text, send, we FaceTime, that sounds dangerous to me, that's all, that sounds dangerous, <laughs> but this is where we had, like, the funny phone calls, we're talking, like, when I was a kid, we had phone, phones that had cords, these curly cue cords, we'd, like, drag across the living room, and then, like, have it in your, and your, your family would get clotheslined, that's how they knew you were talking on the phone, they go tripping through the kitchen, bang, you know, Pots and pans flying because, uh, because you're, you're making these decisions. So here's what happens. <clears throat> In our culture, relationships begin physical with business time. Then they go emotional. And the, the problem is this, is that when we hit this emotional phase in our relationships, love becomes blind. Which is good. You actually want your love to be blind at certain phases in love. It's important it is blind. But the problem is we, we go straight to this emotional piece. We call it being in love. It's really not love. It's really a mix of chemicals in your body that create a thing called infatuation. That's what it really is. I feel in love. No, you feel infatuation. And it will last from six weeks to 18 months. And that's normal. And it will actually end. At some point, your infatuation will stop. Why would it ever stop? I feel love. No, no, no. It's, it's chemicals in your body. That's actually, like, it's actually not love. It's infatuation. The infatuation is the, the butterflies in your stomach. Ooh, like, see, so the infatuation is when you see your 13-year-old boy recognize a girl for the first time in his life. <laughs> I, I, know what that, I know what that is. You know, like, like, like that's, infatuation is thumper. Remember, like Thumper, I'm in love. Like, that's infatuation. This, this, this thing, and it, it feels good. It pulses through your veins. You feel in love. Like, oh, I'm in love. But again, infatuation lasts. The emotional piece lasts six weeks to 18 months. And if you put it down by the foundation of your relationship, eventually you're going to wonder how to recreate that. The next phase we do is, uh, we do this, we, we, uh, in our culture, we go from this emotional connection to somebody to then we start introducing them to our friends and family. Like, <clears throat> like it's kind of this big deal. We go public on Facebook, like, like Facebook status. I'm in love. Like, this is, <clears throat> this is really what it's all about. And, and at this point, we could have great counsel in our lives, couldn't we? When we bring friends into it, we start to get to know who her friends and she gets to know who his friends are. At this point, if we had good friends that valued you more than your relationship, they could say things like, he's very controlling, honey. <laughs> like, get away from him. We could, at this point, we could have people reach into our lives and be like, hey, hey, sh she's pretty. <clears throat> but not smart. Like, you, you could... <laughs> At this phase is when people, godly people, could speak into your life. But what happens is we've already become blind. So when mom and dad say, I don't think she's a good fit for you, or I don't think he's a good fit for you, or your brothers or sisters, well, we're already 
we're already blind. So we say, like, they, they just don't understand me. I'm in love. They're all, it's you and me, honey, against the world. We're going we're gonna to take on the world. No, what's going on is you've already become blind before you could get good counsel. That's what's really going on. The next phase is this. We, we get, get to know friends and family, and even if the friends and family don't agree, we still go for it. And then we go with intellectual. This is where we begin to know who they actually are, because here's the deal. The most important parts of a person cannot be seen on a selfie. And so it's at this phase where we start to understand, like, their value system, which is very important, isn't it? Because if you value generosity and they don't value generosity, you're always going to fight about money or about your time in ways that to you, you feel like you should just volunteer your time. And they're saying, you're being taken advantage of. It's at this intellectual phase when you finally understand what somebody how somebody thinks and who they are, that you realize, like, not only do I not feel the way I felt about you 18 months ago, but you're crazy. <laughs> right? It, it, it's at this phase where we see that they've, they've changed. Like, like, there's something different about them. And we get into a relationship with them. And we're, it seems it's up and down because we no longer have love as a feel. Like, we, we never have, like, the, the feeling. It's not there. And so what we think is, hey... <clears throat> The way to make this relationship even better is let's put it on a firm foundation. Let's just put it under the weight of a covenant with God. Like somehow this is going to be a stable foundation. Let's go find a priest to marry us, honey, because this thing's really going to... And then we wonder, we wonder why our culture struggles with relationships. Because we make the spiritual component the capstone at the very top, and it was never intended to be at the top. It's never intended to be at the top. I'll have people come to me and they say, Pastor, I want to get married. I'll say, why do you want to get married? Because we're in love. That's the worst reason to marry somebody. I have infatuation. I should get married. No, 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 no. You need a lot more things before you decide to marry somebody. You need, I just wonder if <laughs> there's anybody in the room that knows I'm telling the truth. Yeah. <clears throat> so what happens is we go through this whole cycle and we, we bring a priest into it to somehow fix it. And it all falls apart and we think, what I really need to do is I need to come back down here to this, this piece. This, and I need to recreate the infatuation again. And we keep seeking the infatuation. And there's ads on TV about how to spice things up that will never fix it because it's not a good foundation. It's just not. Maybe, maybe love is more than a feeling. Maybe love is actually patient. Maybe love is kind. Maybe love does not envy or boast. Maybe it's not arrogant. Maybe love is not rude. Maybe love does not insist on its own way. Maybe it is not irritable. Maybe love is not resentful. Maybe love does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but it rejoices with truth. Maybe love is more than a feeling. Maybe love bears all things. Maybe love believes all things. Maybe love hopes for all things. Maybe love endures 
all things. Like it could be that love is bigger than we make it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 says it like this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And how great was the fall of it? I'm saying the foundation matters. It truly matters what you have as a foundation. Here's what my Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm talking to maybe a young person that you're hoping to have love one day, or maybe you're somebody that's, that's a post-marriage person, or maybe you're in the middle of a marriage trying to figure out how to reset this thing, the answer is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The way we build our relationship starts right here. Yeah. Boom. It just starts right there. Yeah. We say, I, I'm going to build a spiritual foundation in my life, before I know who you are, before I allow my heart to go pitter-patter, before I, 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 I give in to love being blind, I need to know who I am in Christ. It, it's, it's ground zero. And not only do I need to know who I am in Christ, this is the foundation for the relationship, which means I, I need to know where you are in your walk with God. Right now, somebody's like, well, I think that feels a little old school, Pastor. It is, and I take that as a compliment. Because there's a difference between being saved and Jesus being the Lord of your life. I think we go into relationships and we're like, like our standard is like, does he go to church somewhere? And he's like, yeah, I go to church. What church do you go? It's the one down there off Eagle. It's down there on Eagle, Eagle Road, right down right down. And you're like, well, what's an, uh, I don't remember, the, the pastor's really good, but I can't remember the name of it. He may be saved, but he's lying to you. You realize that. <clears throat> like being saved is one thing, but the early church didn't have this creed, like their, their sense of who they were was not about being saved. It was about these three words, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And what that means is something very different than I'm just saved from sin. It means every decision I make goes through him first. Every marching order I take comes from him. Like, he's the boss of my life. He's the source of my life. He's the CEO of my world. He's not a consultant that I go to on Sunday mornings. He runs the ship. And so if, if that's your posture, go into a relationship looking for someone else who's not just saved. Look for someone who makes Jesus the Lord of their life. Here's, here's how the Apostle Paul writes it. He says this, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
Or what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And you're like, oh, preacher, you're so old school. This is 2021. No, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you said Jesus is, he's not just saved me, but he's the Lord of my life. Like all my decisions and my motivations come from him. It would only make sense that I would want someone who is in agreement with that. All their decisions and motivations come from him. He says, like, don't be unequally yoked. And, and somebody says, well, that just, that just seems so wrong for him to say that. Actually, no, it's not. Think about it. And, and there, there are people in this room, I'm sure, a room this size, there are people that you might be with an unbeliever, or maybe you were believers when you got married and now one of you isn't. This is, this is not intended as a slight or an offense, but I'm trying to teach this to a generation that needs to understand. If, if you are a believer, and you're married to an unbeliever, you're being dishonest with yourself. You're actually being disingenuous. The, the unbeliever is being genuine because the unbeliever can enter into marriage. Marriage is saying, I want to enter into a covenant with you as you are. Like, I accept you. I receive you. So the unbeliever can follow the believer and be like, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I love that you're a Christian. This is incredible. You do your thing. I support you. <laughs> like, you take the kids to church every Sunday morning. I'll meet you for lunch afterwards. It's going to be incredible. I love that they have a, a religious education. You do that. And from the bottom of their heart, they can say, I support you. But if you are a believer in that same relationship, you cannot honestly say the same thing. Because at the core of a believer is a desire that says that the, the person you're with is incomplete without Jesus as the Lord of their life. Yes. That, that, that you actually want them to change. So they're being completely honest with you, but, but, but you're maybe not being as honest as you should be with them or yourself. The next thing after this is, I, I, know, that's, I know that's heavy, <laughs> but that's all right, isn't it? Thank you. From there, once you, once you know you're on the same, because here's the deal, like, <clears throat> one of the most important things you can share with your spouse is shared calling. Yes. Shared calling. That's down here. And then we, we enter into social relationships. Like, you're, you're not letting your heart fall for this person yet. You're, you're entering into a social arena. Uh, you said people tell me this, like, go on group dates. Get around lots of people. See, you can learn more about somebody by watching how they interact with their friends and people they don't know than you'll ever learn about them searching them on the Internet. And so, so we get around people. Get, get, them, get them around people that you trust. And, and don't tell them that they're, that they're being tested, but ask the people you test. Like, what do you think of this guy? Well, what do you think of this girl? Like, like where, where do they sit with you? Like, find some of those people. I'm spitting everywhere. Find those people with that God-given gift of unsolicited advice. There's some around this church. I call it a fathering spirit or a mothering spirit. Get them around those people because they're going to tell you what they think. 
this is where you discover what they really value. Like, if you value family, if that's a big deal to you, and they can say, like, oh, I've, <clears throat> my wife said, I love to camp. <laughs> this is my source of bitterness. She said, I love to camp. And the first time I pulled out a tent, she's like, we're sleeping in that? I was like, girl, you told me you like to camp. But here, here's the deal. They can tell you, oh, I love family. It's a big value to me. But you'll never know it's true until you see them around family. You can tell a lot about a person by the friends they have. We're, we're the average of, of our five closest friends. That's a really harsh thing to say. No, no, no. Here's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. So, so, so don't be tricked on this one. Bad company ruins good morals. So, so don't, don't lie to yourself and say that keeping bad companies, I'm still going to be, be able to keep myself true. No. Get them around trusted individuals and then submit yourself to community input submit yourself let people speak into it <clears throat> after that then then you need to figure out who they are it's at this point like like where, where you're starting to get around them to get to know them and and and, and you, you get to see the the parts of them that you would not see just from a picture it's at this point that you realize, like, like, oh, you're 22 years old and you have $100,000 in credit card debt? <laughs> like, like, oh, I see. I, I got you. Like, I, I got like, I can show you the world. Dude, you can't rent a car. Intellectual figure, what do, they, what do they think? How do they vote? Like, all the, like, if, if, it, if politics matters to you, you better figure it out here. <clears throat> if, if the way you handle money matters to you, you better figure it out here. Yes. All right. And then, then we move from there. When we realize, like, oh, this is somebody I, I can actually see myself with. Then, then we allow ourselves to go here. And, and, and here's the thing. To keep this one last, you have to be intentional. Yeah. The, the church has done a good job of telling people, like, avoid the business socks, avoid the business socks, avoid the business socks. The business socks was never the problem. Right. This is what the Bible says. It says right here, um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, for from it flow the issues of life. So we guard this thing. We keep it safe. We don't give it to them until we've built a foundation. Yeah. And, then, and then at that point, the, the moment you stack that on the, on the thing, like you're choosing to value them. You're, you're choosing moto moto. Girl, you big. You chunky. <laughs> you guys need to watch more cartoons. <laughs> but it's at this point where she, she in the cartoon, she's like, she's like, don't you have something else to say to me? And he can't, he can't think, of, he can't think of anything else to say. I think for a lot of marriages, we think what will fix the marriage is business time. But really, if you'd come back to the emotional piece. And you'd come up with something to say about her that's better than, girl, you large. <laughs> if you could come up with something better than that, maybe like, 
talk about, about the way she contributes to the world. Maybe talk about how smart she is and how good she is at making decisions. Right. Maybe talk about how confident she is. You might find that you'll actually build a better emotional foundation than you will quoting Moto Moto. <laughs> and, and women, I would say for the men, like, like recognize when he does stuff. And this is just coming from a man that I, I like to be, I like, I like it when my wife sees when I do stuff. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me I'm amazing. Just like when I do the dishes, just notice. <laughs> just be like, hey, good job. I, that's kind of what I expected, right? Like, <clears throat> do, do, do whatever. <laughs> because here's the deal. Most affairs don't happen because of this. They happen because of this. So invest here. This will be good if you invest. You can be wearing business socks if you invest here. And if you invest here. If you invest here. And then finally, the, 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 the beautiful part of the relationship. What happens is marriage goes right here. Marriage is right here. And then this goes on top. And somebody says, well, why, would, why would marriage, like, why would you even need that? If you've got this good foundation, why do you, like, what's the point of a piece of paper? And my, my response is, exactly. What's the point of a piece of paper? It doesn't mean anything. But a covenant with the living God means a lot. So, so if to you, marriage is just a paper, yeah, yeah it doesn't mean anything. But if this is built right, it should mean a covenant between you and the person and God. And so you've built this great foundation. And this is why it's so important, because let's say you're an absolute rock star here. You've still got 23 hours and 58 minutes a day. You better have a good foundation. You better have a good foundation. Hey, listen, maybe, maybe you're, you're listening to me and you're, you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, I see that, but I think we started it out wrong. Here's what I want to tell you. Again, I spoke to a man this morning that said, that was us. We started it wrong. But we rebuilt this whole thing, and God has blessed our marriage since. I want to tell you, it doesn't have to stay the way you stacked it. You can rebuild the entire thing. When, when I build my relationships outside of a healthy boundary and outside of a healthy order, it's like taking logs of flaming fire and placing them throughout the house. And then I wonder why. The nursery's on fire and the living room's on fire because I've not placed it in the right order and I've not placed it in healthy boundaries. So today, maybe you're like, you know, that's, um, that's great, but uh, the band can come. But I, I just, I didn't do all that. Maybe as you're talking, you think, I, I struggle with some of this stuff. It's fine. Here's what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee 
from sexual immorality. Pastor, can you give me 17 steps on how to deal with lust? Run away. This is what Joseph did. When he was tempted, he ran. Ran. Like, there's got to come a place in your life where you say, like, I'm not concerned about keeping my dignity right now. I'm running from this. I'm not concerned about being cool in the moment. I'm running from this situation. I, I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to look the fool to run. And the word he uses here, he says sexual immorality, but the word is porneia. It's a Greek word. It's a word we get the word pornography from. And porneia is, is literally the, the most broad phrase for, for sexual behavior outside of marriage. All of it. This too? Yeah, that too. All of it. Outside of, outside of marriage is pornea. He's saying you got to run from it. And here's why. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. When you lie, it's out here. When you steal, it's out here. When you cheat on your taxes, it's out there. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So people will say, it's very common in our culture to say, I thought all sins were the same. Sin is sin. Yeah. And no. Yes in the way it relates to God. No in the way it relates to us. Because sexual sin is not outside of us. According to scripture, it's a sin against our own selves too. And this is why there's so much shame attached to it. So much difficulty and pain and hurt. Because it's right there. And, and what happens is essentially, we, we connect at like a soul level with somebody else. No, preacher, I don't think that's true. Well, then you sit and counsel people that have been through this trauma. And you'll discover that there is a connection that happens there. Somebody says, I feel like my heart is being ripped out. Like, like we started this whole thing upside down and it's breaking apart in my heart. I just feel like I'm being torn apart at a soul level. Yes, you are. You're right. That's what's going on. But I believe in a God that makes all things new. I believe in a God that heals, a God that restores, a God that delivers. And if you don't get past your past hurts, you're going to hurt the people in front of you because of the people behind you. So today, I, I would read from 1 John. He says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't serve a God that wants to shame you. In fact, if you're feeling condemnation right now, that's not of God. You're serving a God that loves you and cares for you. He's actually blessed you with this one. This is a gift from God. God created it. 
Good job, God. But we need to make sure we stack it the right way or it creates damage in our hearts. Would you stand with me all across the room? You know, we serve a generation, or we live in a generation that is, um, it's quite, quite disrespectful, especially towards things that seem traditional. In a very sarcastic way, it's a phrase now to, to, to call people boomers. Okay, boomer. It means you're outdated. You've got, your opinion doesn't matter anymore. You don't know what it's like to live in today. I'm just saying there are some things that are just true. They're just true. It may seem old school. I promise it'll save you a lot of hurt. Save you a lot of pain. It'll keep you from a lot of, a lot of heartache in your life. If you would stack things right. So I'm just going to ask right now if maybe you're with your spouse, grab their hand, maybe you're alone, raise your hands to the Lord. I just want to pray over us. God would help us get this piece right. Maybe you've got kids. Right now would be the time to pray for them. God will protect their hearts and they get this one right. Father, we, are, we create such storms of pain in our own lives in our pursuit of finding belonging and acceptance. God, I pray right now that every person that has, maybe they've built their relationship pile the wrong way, I pray that right now they've come to a place where they recognize that they, they are complete in you alone. They don't need to find a partner. They don't need to find any kind of additive that you complete us, you and you alone. Right now, I pray that you'd be in our marriages that are represented in this room. God, that they'd be godly marriages, that they would be strong, healthy marriages. Lord, that they'd be marriages with forgiveness and that the foundation of trust would be strong. Lord, I pray for those that are not yet in relationships, or maybe they're just beginning their relationships. Lord, that they'd have the courage to slow things down and build them in the right order. Maybe with every head bowed and every eye closed, as I was talking, you just felt like this. He's absolutely right. I need to redo my foundation. And for you, you recognize you need God as the foundation of your life. If that's you, would you just put your hand up so I know where you're at? Come on, I see that. I see that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray like this. We're going to repent and believe. We're going to repent for not having him as the foundation of our life. That simply means we're going to turn away and we're going to change the way we think. And then we're going to make him the Lord of our life. Pray something like this. 
God, right now I, I repent. I turn away from not having you as the foundation of my life. And so I, I repent of the way I've thought, the way I've acted. I'm turning away from that right now. And I want you to be the source of my life. I'm asking you to be the foundation of my life. I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and hope in him alone. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. Some people just made some big, big decisions. Big decisions. Never underestimate the power of those kind of decisions, those moments like you just made. Powerful decision. <clears throat> well, we just talked about relationships and sex, so we might as well worship the Lord. <laughs> Can we respond to the Lord in worship? Making the foundation, bringing back to his rightful place in our lives as the center as the source, as the one by whom all things come, as the one to whom all things are going towards. And he can be our everything. Let's worship him right now. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.